Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the At The Hive Live podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. My name is Chase, and on today's show, my co-host James and I will be discussing the recent Nikola Vucevic rumors regarding the Hornets, the conclusion of the Greensboro Swarm season in the G League bubble, and into the second half of today's show, we're going to have a special guest, Cassidy McMahon, for an interview. But first, James, tell people how you're doing today. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I think it's going to be a good episode today. I think we've got some, be really interesting to touch on G League, be good to touch on Vooch, be good to have Cassidy on. Um, although I, I did shoot you a message midweek that I recently, at the Hive does not have a single podcast review, which I was like, Chase, we got we to gotta sort this, man. Like we got we to gotta get someone on here to give us a review. Yeah, I know. We're not doing our job if there are no reviews. We got we to gotta get the people talking about this podcast. And all, the, all the, they always say in podcasts, it helps the show. It actually does. So anybody that wants to leave a review, feel free to do so. We won't, we won't bother you if you do. Yeah, and um, we were saying like before, if, especially like for our first reviews, if you want to come on the show, you give us a five-star review, we'll have you on as a guest. We, we like anyone who's listening to this, you're a hardcore Hornets fan, that's who we want to go out to. So if you can leave us a five-star review, come on the show. It'd be great to have you on for one of our interviews. Um, if you don't want to come on the show, like we'll submit a question or you can tell us what you want us to do. Just give us that five-star review, a little comment. Uh, that, will, that will make our week. We, we want to have that by next week. By end of All-Star break, we want a five-star review. And if we come on next week, Chase, and we don't have one, I'm going to be really upset. So I know, we're going to have to start making burner accounts and just do them for ourselves to feed ourselves some questions and topics that might, might get difficult when we have to have a guest on for that review, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. I have confidence that we'll get, we'll get one though. Yeah. So hopefully we get some of those. Um, it, just before we, we start on Vooch, it was interesting. Just before we start recording, Chase said to me, I think we're both going to agree on this, but it'll be good to talk about. And I don't know if we necessarily will. So, Chase, what are your thoughts? For, for those who don't know, I should add that Sham Strania uh, reported for The Athletic this week that the Hornets and Celtics uh, have registered interest in Magic Big Man and current All-Star Nikola Vucevic. Um, I mean, he plays center. It is a position of need. Um, he's locked up, I think, for another three years at kind of mid, mid 20 million, 26, 27 million or so per year. So it, it kind of makes sense on paper. Chase, what are your thoughts? See, on like on paper, for sure makes sense. Vucevic is a great player, all star, obviously. He should be probably every year one of the top five centers in the NBA. But I think that this trade is like not plausible for four reasons. And they all kind of lead into one another. Oh, you have yeah. four reasons. Yes, I, I th I've thought about this. Since that, that <laughs> article that Shams posted came out, like, I really, really like the idea. But, like, I've seen people say this online, too. Vooch is a finishing move that you make as, like, the last touch of a competing team. Not something you make as, like, basically the second move. Because, number one, Orlando loves him and treasures him and they would want a massive haul in return because that would signal a full-on rebuild which they really haven't done in a long time and and in in that package would basically have to include one of pj or miles probably pj and then 
one of Malik or Devante, probably Devante, because Steve Clifford and Monk don't have a great history together, and he's the coach of the Magic. And then you also have to include at least two, probably three first-round picks because he's that good and he's a very valuable player. And if you're doing that, this is the second reason, that guts the depth and leaves the Hornets probably in the same spot that they're at now. They're at, you know, a top six. I don't they're this I don't know what they're exactly at in the standings, but I don't think that they're legitimately the one and a half games back of the Celtics at the end of the year. But right now they're that close and it doesn't take them over those teams trading for Nikola Vucevic. He probably he makes you a little bit better offensively, but the Hornets problems, which is my third reason, they're only exacerbated by trading PJ Washington and probably Cody Zeller as well for the salary filler purposes, which I never mentioned in the first reason. So that's another big man that you're giving up. Um, they don't like that. Those are their problems, which are rim protection and giving up a ton of threes to their opponents. Like those things are only going to get worse. Like Vooch is a g- great player. Like I said, top five center easily, I think, but he's not a good or like a great defender. And the Hornets need a great defender at center. If they're going to be a competitive team, because the other positions on their floor are on the floor for them. They don't have any great defenders. Like LaMelo might get there someday to being a good defender just because of how tall he is. But right now he's not good and nobody behind him is good except for PJ and you'd be losing him in that deal. And then are we sure that Vucevic, LaMelo and Hayward is a trio that is ever going to legitimately compete for the Eastern conference finals. They don't have to win a championship. Um, you know, expecting that out of the Charlotte Hornets is like probably just too much, but Eastern conference finals with uh, is perfectly reasonable expectations for a team that has LaMelo in three years, I assume. And you have to be like 110% sure that that team is going to be able to get you past the second round. And I don't think it does like that. You don't have enough defenders on the floor with them three in your closing lineup, especially when Hayward's going to be a few years older and Vooch will be over 30 as well. It's just a, it's a really good offensive team, but it doesn't solve any of their problems. And it also doesn't put them into that upper echelon of, of teams in the East. But I, I would, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, because I don't think we're in disagreement that Vooch is really, really good and like would be good on the Hornets but what you have to give up for him is like not even close to, to worth it in my eyes. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I think, I, I think I'd be more on board than this, than, than you would be. And I think it's good that we disagree on things that you, you, you listen to so many things all the time. Everyone's like, yep, we all agree on this. Like I, I think Vooch would help. And I, I was kind of want to throw some, some devil's advocate reasons back at you here. So I guess the first thing you talk about, if we are packaging multiple first round picks, the first thing I think you'd, you'd protect those, right? Lottery right. protections or top six protections, whatever they are. So it's not just that you're not going to have a first round pick for maybe two to three years. It could be that, you know, it's a first that turns into two seconds or something like that. Obviously, Orlando are going to want pretty good first. I, I get that. But I do think there's some element of protection there. You talk about the problems being exacerbated. I think one of this team's biggest issues are, is rebounding. And Vooch would help. Like he's one of the, he's an extremely good defensive rebounder uh, for his position. I think that's something that would suddenly go from being uh, a weakness to having like Lamelo, Vooch on the floor together are two plus rebounders for the position before, you know, Hayward isn't bad. PJ's not bad. So I do really think that would that would help our defense from that point of view. I, I agree, like defending in space, Vooch is not the best. Uh, but 
you know, we've got, we, we've been building around like a decent-ish defense, the system that Borrego has without a really good defensive center already. Like Cody Zell is like decent. Biz is not like great. And we're still kind of cobbling together a semi-respectable defense. I think just ending possessions would, would be a step in direction. So you're giving up probably a little bit, but you, I think you probably gain quite a lot back on the defensive end as well. I also think like Vooch, I mean, look, because he can't jump, because he doesn't block a lot of shots, and let's just say because he's white, everyone just assumes he's a bad defender, right? But let's not forget he's been playing under Steve Clifford now for however many years down in Orlando, two or three years. And that Orlando team has always been a good defense. And I know he's had good players around him, defensive players, Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac when he's healthy. But center is still the most important, I think, defensively position for your team. You ask that position to do so much. And he's led to a top 10, top 15 defense while being part of that. So I think people are underrating his defense a little bit. Uh, And then in terms of like the space he would give us an offense, I mean, the offensive improvements would be leaps and bounds. If you think of the minute you've got Biz who can't catch a ball, you've got Cody hits probably like one three every month, it feels like. And you're going to having Vooch who last time I checked, has hit the most above the uh, above the break threes in the NBA, not just for any position, like for a bit for, for any position, not just big men. Like he is leading it from exactly that top of the straight onto the basket, top of the three point line. Vooch is leading it from there. So the amount of space he would give Lamelo, PJ, you know those guys to dive into the rim. I, I think that would help this offense so much. So I would understand if the team went for it. Like it, one the one big premise that I do like with this idea is. The dream for most fans is, oh, we've got these 10 guys on rookie scale contracts and one day we're going to build a championship team around these 10 people. That is not going to happen, right? What happens when you have this many young guys is you package two or three of them up and you hope to get that one piece back. And I think we're going to have to do that because we're going to get to the point where we have to start paying Miles. We're going to have to start paying PJ. And like before you know it, we're going to be capped out. Lamelo is probably going to get a max you can always like guarantee that already he's probably gonna get a super max um and by like I, I like the idea of pooling some guys together to create some value to go get someone else so i i do agree with you if we have to package three first round picks i'm out right out from the start if it's one first round pick a protected first and then like monk and miles then i think i'm probably leaning more in because it's also helping from a clap flexibility standpoint going forward, and we've still got other picks to make moves. So I don't hate this. Who knows what the deal would look like? Um, but I can see why the team are looking for it. I, I don't love the fit with Lamelo. I think that's probably one of my biggest hang-ups. Like, yes, he gives space, but you you really want that kind of great diving like man, like the vertical spacing with Lamelo, because he you could be have the best vertical spacing pairing in the league with like the like Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan used to have years ago. And that just made teams so scared to go out to your three-point shooters. That's my my one hang-up a little bit. Um, but overall, I, I could understand the team making that move. Yeah, like, and I, I, I agree with your reasoning for, like, understanding why that they would make that move because – like like you said, it's not possible to just continuously draft players every year and then just re-sign them and have, you know, seven guys that you drafted be the core of your team plus Hayward. That's just not 
economically possible under the salary cap because all these guys are going to want bigger contracts than what they but have it's now. What every, it's, it's what every fan dreams about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and like, yeah, like myself this... included, honestly, like I would love nothing more than for the current core they have now to just develop and like PJ to make an all-star team, Devontae to win six man and LaMelo to be like an MVP candidate. And that, that would be golden, but like, that's just not possible. It's and it, that's and why not, not plausible love... either. And that's why people love the Oklahoma City Thunder team, you know, yes. with Durant, Westbrook, Harden, because homegrown, they were ours. You know, it felt like our championship. Same as Steph when they won it the first few times with Steph and Clay. Like those championships mean more than when Kevin Durant came to Golden State and they won then, because it's like, well, we've kind of bought this championship in a way. And I understand that that's the dream, but I just, I don't think that's how this team's going to work. And we're not going to go into next year, I don't think, with these 10 young guys plus what the another second rounder and another first round pick next year. You know, if we're going to do that, then we're on to 12 of our contracted players being on rookie scale contracts, which is just which is just bonkers to me. So I just think people do need to get out of their head that at some point we are going to move these guys. It's going to happen. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. But I just think it also could be like people like, this is a, a big thing that I, I realized with this as well. I don't think like just quote a, a center, just anyone is the Hornets like biggest need. Like they need a certain type of center for sure. Like someone that could rebound and protect the rim and block shots and just be imposing in the middle of the paint. Cause they don't have anybody that can do that yet. But I really think that they need a like guard slash wing scorer to kind of take over for Hayward as he gets older to pair alongside LaMelo because LaMelo needs someone that's better at scoring than him, I think, to fully optimize his playmaking because otherwise the teams can just completely scheme around him. Whatever he's going to do, you can just go off of that. But if you have some like two, another elite scorer to watch, you it's, it's a lot harder to defend LaMelo with more than one guy. And we've seen already that defending him with one guy, like most nights it's not going to work out that well for you. And he's, you know, he's only 19 so that we can assume that's only going to improve. So I think if they're going to package the young players, which is, I agree that that's going to happen at some point, like who it is or how many of them or for what I have no idea, but I think that it might be better to look for like, like a star wing with that instead, like Zach Levine or something. I definitely think Levine could be available this off season. If the bulls end up with a slightly high pick because he doesn't fit with their, with their young core, like him and Kobe white can't really be on the floor at the same time on a good team. And he's also way older than a lot of their young players. So I, that's the guy that I have had my eyes like quietly set on for a while. Like I think that, you know, uh, salary matching with like Rozier or Zeller or something. And then young players for him would be good. Vooch is a great, great player. And I completely, I like, I understand the vision that they, that they're looking at with like potentially trading for him, but I'm just not sure if that's something that takes you over the top. And like, if you're giving up all that stuff, it's kind of got to take you over the top. Yeah. I agree with you. If there's a, if there's an elite wing out on the market, the way the NBA is going, that's, that's what you want to get. Someone who can defend, shoot, pass, score, like from the wing position. I, I completely agree with that. Like when I come to drafting, I always make, you know, wings always get a bump in my rankings just because you, it's hard to get those two way wings. who can do everything. Um, yeah, I think I think with Vooch, the question is, how will they get tell me how they're gonna get a better center in the next two years? Yeah, and, I mean that th- they're probably not. Like that it's yeah, exactly they're probably and not. 
it's, it's like, it's asset allocation. Do you want to allocate those assets to upgrading wing? Do you want to, like, I can understand them seeing it like, well, we've got Gordon Hayward. Like, I know you're viewing mm-hmm. it like, oh, as Gordon Hayward gets older, but they've only just signed the guy for like a four-year contract. Yeah, no, so I, I yeah, can understand right. their thinking being like, well, Terry, we love. Like, Lamelo's point guard. Gordon Hayward's fine. PJ's, you know, gold dust, according <laughs> yeah. to Mitch Kupchak. That should be his nickname, gold dust. I like uh, that, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the big man position... I can understand from like a team building point of view is the most obvious one that needs to upgrade and where they could potentially allocate their assets. So, and I, again, I don't know how they're getting a better center in the next few years. Are they getting Evan Mobley in the draft? Well, you're going to have to put a lot on the table to move up in the draft. What other big men are going to be, well, you're not going to get anyone really in free agency, very unlikely. Um, you yeah. Know, you're, you're, you might as well them. trade for Vooch if you're going to max exactly. out like John Collins or something in free agency. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's a really interesting one to look at. Um, we'll have to see how it develops. The fact that it's been leaked, I actually think it's probably unlikely to happen. The way these things go, mm-hmm. they only know like sh- people like Shams. They only normally leak stuff after it's already fizzled out um, because they know they're not going to basically piss anyone off. Um, but it, but it, well, it shows that they're sniffing around the trade market and they're going to be potentially going to be buyers like Filippo. Um, said in, in a, on our podcast a few weeks ago. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out as March 25th gets closer. Yeah, that, that's that's another thing that I just realized. The trade deadline, you know, as we're recording this, is only 19 days away. Like, things are going to pick up really quickly here in the next couple of weeks if any teams are going to be trying to make a move. But, you know, just to change the gears a little bit here, we'll move into the G League grades section. The Greensboro Swarm conclude their G League season this weekend. They have not played their last game as at the time of recording, but they're currently four and 10. They are not in playoff contention, unfortunately. So after their last game is over, I assume that they're just leaving immediately. I don't really know how that works, but I would imagine that they're just packing up their stuff and going home after that. But I mean, I, I despite record isn't what we sh- would focus on with the G league. I, th- I, f- I feel like you feel the same way too. I don't really care that they were really bad. Like that's, uh, that doesn't really matter that much to me. It's more just about how these guys that the Hornets drafted and have money invested in played. And overall, I, I was like pretty impressed. And just overall with the terms of the G League bubble, I was super impressed. That worked really well. The Ignite team was super fun to watch. It was really accessible on TV for anybody that's in America. I know if you're not in America, it was probably a little bit more difficult. But And, and like the the announcers were all great. Like the, the players seem to really enjoy it. Like it, it seemed like it was a huge success for the G League, which is very important for them to have after missing the end of last season and almost not having one this year. So that was really awesome to see. But what did you think about uh, the Greensboro Swarm players? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the key guys we're going to touch on, I think Vernon Carey, uh, second round pick from this past year. Nick Richards traded for him in the second round this year. Grant Rilla, uh, our last pick down in the 50s this year. And then the uh, two-way guys, Nate Darling, uh, the other two-way next to Grant. And then we're going to touch on Admiral Schofield and Kobe Simmons as well. Um, but I think I think the easiest place to start is our as our most prized draft pick is Vernon Carey. Um, so Vernon, uh, it's interesting. I looked at all the statistics through per, per 36 minutes because I was actually looking through the Greensboro Swarm stats and a lot of guys played a bunch of kind of quite a wide range of minutes. So Vernon Carey actually played like 24 minutes a night, which isn't that many. Um, partly due to him splitting time with Nick Richards and basically the second half of the bubble. 
Um, but I looked at everything through like per 36 numbers. And I mean, Vernon Carey's per 36, I'll give it now, 23 points, 13 rebounds, one and a half assists, two and a half turnovers, uh, just under a steal per game and one and a half blocks per game. And like shooting percentages were pretty good. 50% from the field, 17% from three, which we'll touch on. And 68% from the free throw line, which is right whereabouts where he was in college. So overall, I think if you told me going in that his Perth 36 numbers were going to be that, I would have been pretty thrilled. Um, because the most important thing to me is he was physically dominant in college. There's always a worry. Is that going to transfer over? Is he going to be as strong? Especially because he's not a kind of another world athlete. Is that strength going to carry over when he's playing 27, 28-year-old G League vets? And absolutely he did. He was a handful down low for every single team he played. So overall, I, w- I was pretty impressed. How about you? Yeah, I, w- I was impressed too. I was like, I-, I wasn't super high on him coming out of the draft, but like that has definitely like risen at least a little bit as given this sample size that we have he he like you said he does look strong enough to beat and bang in the in the middle with nba players like he was uh, thoroughly out matching some of the guys he was going up against in the g league he has extremely great good touch with at really soft hands and coordination finishing at the basket he seems like he'll be a pretty good pick and roll finisher as well which is really important for pairing with Lamelo and getting minutes in the in the NBA for him he needs to be able to finish plays that are made for him rather than just being like a, I'm going to create my own shot once I get the ball on the block uh, and he has had a, he had a, he has a very good post game and, but it's just like the only thing that gets me is the NBA doesn't value that kind of offense and his defense isn't ready yet but he does look a lot slimmer and more mobile so I have a lot more faith that that could come around than I did before and he did flash some floor spacing as well. I think he he was five for twenty nine total from from three point range in the G League bubble. But like making five of them is 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 enough to define it as a quote unquote flash for me. Like I don't think he made one when he was at Duke, and he didn't really even look like he could shoot from that area while he was at Duke. So you also know, I, mean, I actually looked this up before this. He was eight of twenty one from Duke. He made eight. Uh, wow, I would eight. not have so guessed he, that. He shot thirty eight percent. So obviously, like basically just under like one per game type thing at Duke. Um, but he did, he did still flash that a little bit. Unlike Nick Richards, who we'll get onto in a little bit, but Nick Richards took zero threes in three years at Duke, which is going to be a, an interesting topic. But yeah, like you said, he, he flashed an outside shot. Some went down and out. Like it, it looked good. If, if, I don't know what you think. I thought the mechanics looked pretty smooth. Yeah, absolutely. His, especially his free throw shot. His his free throw shot looks pretty good. I mean, there's definitely a lot to build on with Vernon, but you just got to build on it. Is my thing. And I think he was he was leading the G League and like scoring quite early on. And then yeah, he yeah. Missed a, he missed a game due to lower back soreness about halfway through, and then Nick Richards came down and he he had a much he didn't have as good a second half of the bubble. And I don't know if that was. One, that back just limiting him a little bit. I don't know if the scout got out on him in terms of what he likes to do. He likes to go left, um, you know, how to, how to play him. Uh, I don't know if he got a little bit tired. Like, he was a guy who didn't have the best conditioning at Duke. He has lost weight. But, you know, he went from not playing at all, basically any games, to then playing, like, every other day uh, pretty quickly. So, he's still, he's still productive. But he, he definitely started, like, really well and just kind of finished – as like a, a decent player I, I feel by the end of it yeah I agree and I I kind of uh, I, I move it move it into Nick Richards too I think Nick Richards kind of just did the same thing when he got down there he 
started off. I, I don't remember what he did in his first game, but tw- I mean, towards the end, like he was putting up like 20 points a game with like three blocks. And uh, he uh, like what, much like Vernon, he flashed a three point shot as well. Uh, he on a much more consistent basis, though, he was six for 13 from beyond the arc and 23 for 29 from the free throw line. So and looked mean, good as well. The yeah, it, like, exactly. How did that guy not take a three at Kentucky? I have like no idea. Years? No idea. Cal Pari is not that great with his big men in, in, in recent years. I've noticed like Bam, Bam, nobody had any idea Bam could do the things he's doing now at Kentucky. But I mean, and the same goes for Nick Richards with shooting. Apparently, like he seems like he's just going to be at least like like if given the same amount of minutes he got in the G League, like he might make like one three a game or like one three every other game or something in the NBA. And like since he's already an NBA level defender and has great energy on the glass and going after blocks and is a good rim runner with decent hands, like I feel like that makes him like a vi like not a viable rotation piece, but at least someone that is worth trying as a rotation piece. Like once the G league bubble ends, because the Hornets really do need that rebounding and shot blocking. Like it's not like, like re- we, people always talk about how like the center is devalued or whatever. And that's definitely true to an extent, but like, you still need one. Like, and he could potentially be that like backup center off the bench that can pair and just kind of roll to the rim with whatever point guard that's out there and catch the ball out of the air and dunk it. There's, there's one thing that will stop Nick Richards being an NBA player, and that's mistakes. Yes, because, he, his feel for the game is really not that good right now. Yeah, but he hasn't played basketball half, for that long either. Per 36 minutes, three and a half turnovers per game, right? Like, if, if you're if you're paying good minutes and you're averaging, like, two, over two turnovers per game, that's bad. Never mind three and a half. And then on top of that, he struggled with fouls as well. Actually, you know, got into foul trouble a little bit. It was three and a half per game per 36 minutes. And for me, if he can not foul as much, not turn the ball over, he is a legitimate like rotation player. I mean, the stat, the per 36 stats for Vernon Carey are almost identical, right? Nick Richards averages one more rebound, but then the big difference here is blocks. So you're getting Vernon like uh, Nick Richards three, like just under four blocks per game, whereas Vernon Carey is at like one and a half. So. You're talking about much more of a two-way player there with with Nick Richards over than Vernon Carey. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what the Hornets need, which is my big thing. And for Grant Riller, the 56th pick in the draft, we talked about how he looked kind of hobbled at the beginning of the bubble, but he rounded into form at the end. He ended up finishing a 46.2% from deep on a lot of pull-up, or at least a fair amount of pull-up shots. He's still a really good finisher and free-throw shooter. And he definitely got better as a playmaker. Well, it's unfortunate that the Hornets like most of their deepest position is point guard because he probably isn't a long-term piece in, in Charlotte, just off of the strength of that, unless he manages to outplay Devante and Malik in the NBA, which as much as I love Grant Riller, I don't envision that happening yet, but like he should be able to play. Like I would be really surprised if he doesn't appear in a handful of games for the Hornets at the end of the season, just because, like he, the dude can put the ball in the bucket. Like that, that's as simple as that. And there's a role for that anywhere. Like it, he, he'll be, he'll, he'll find a job in the NBA if, if the Hornets don't bring him back next year on a two way. It'll be interesting to see how they manage the rookies in the second half of the year. Cause in years past, last few years, second half of the season, they've given much more playing time to the Martin twins, the Jalen McDaniels last year. Like they were really coming into their own this year. They're probably going to be in playoff contention. Are they still going to give that extra time to people? 
Or are they going to kind of keep playing the vets and these guys are going to have to ride the bench a little bit? It'll be interesting to see how they manage it. I think, you know, Grant, his actually shooting percentages were good, like 50, 49% from the field, 46% from three, um, 87% from the line. I think for me, it was just like his usage wasn't that high. Like, like we talked about earlier, he, he definitely felt, seemed to get more comfortable as it went on. Uh, he missed the last few games, again, with that knee injury. So he's definitely still being bothered by this knee. Uh, but I think he showed enough flash in the last five or six games that he played that, oh yeah, now you can see there's an NBA player in there. That's the kind of player that he can be, you know. And if he shoots 46% from three, which he was not a three-point shooter coming out of Charleston, like not a particularly good one. If he can shoot even 40%, 38%, you know, he's an NBA player if he can get healthy. So yeah, I, I, I was, look, I've been a little bit of a Grant skeptic a little bit on here from, well, not long term, I really like him, but just in terms of like his early bubble performances, I thought he looked pretty rough. He really, he really turned it on towards, towards the end. Uh, I was, I was really happy to see that and he should take some confidence from that as well. Yeah, he did. I think that's the biggest thing was what you said at the end. The confidence thing will help him so much because he had like, he hadn't played basketball in so long and it, you know, not being healthy and getting off to that bad start, like that probably affected him and they both kind of played into each other, but to turn it around like that, that definitely shows that he's got some mental fortitude. He at least has what it takes in that regard to become an NBA player. And really all it's going to hinge on is him being fully healthy, but the last, the other two-way player, the uh, G League, the last Hornets affiliate player in the G League was Nate Darling, who we've talked about him uh, a couple times on the show before, but I'm going to say like he shooting 31% on 10 attempts per 36 minutes isn't good for a shooter, but like he had, he also hadn't played in like almost a year. So I'll, I'll get, I'll give him like a few percentage points, like benefit of the doubt. Like I, I assume that if he had been playing consistently on a normal schedule, he'd probably be around like 35 or 36 or something like that. So I'll, I'll I, I think he could be an NBA player still, but I would be surprised if he appears in a game with the Hornets or if he gets brought back on another two way next year, just because they don't need guards and he's a guard. So that's, it's just, that's really it. What's greener than a green light? Because whatever that is, Nate Darling had it. I know. Yeah. And that's, that's what I like about him. He lets it go. Nate Darling got shots up like, and he wasn't hitting any of them. (laughs) And he absolutely Mm. let it rain. Like, and that's why it's great having someone like the greens for swarm because he could never ever play that way for the Charlotte Hornets unless he's shooting a much better (laughs) percentage. And, you know, Jay Hernandez talked before the bubble, they want to turn him into a a kind of Duncan Robinson type, JJ Reddick type player. Like that's what they envisage him seeing. And you need to be a high volume shooter if you're going to have success in the NBA because he's not going to be a plus on the defensive end. So like, I, I can understand, like I give credit to him for like just firing away and like not doubting himself at all. But let's just be honest, he's got to shoot better. Like, yeah, absolutely. He's got to be shoot heck of a lot better to to sniff an NBA rotation slot. So, look, it might come around. He's obviously a better shooter than what he showed, uh, but speed of the game, look, the time's a little bit too quick. He turned the ball over a lot. Um, he didn't shoot the ball well. Um, I, I, I think we'd be surprised at this stage if they if they did potentially uh, turn him into NBA player, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you want to lead into uh... – Schofield and Simmons next. Those are probably the the last two. Yeah, I think we'll just finish on these two briefly. Um, Schofield, number one pick in the G League draft. Quite a lot of excitement, I think, about him going in. You know, he was basically a casualty of 
of cap mechanics. That's the only reason he's not on NBA roster currently. Um, per 36 minutes, 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists, three and a half turnovers, which is really bad. Only 23% from three, which I think was probably the most shocking thing because coming in, he was known as like a good shooter from the outside and his stroke just completely abandoned him in the second half of the G League bubble. Um, and only 38% from the field. So if he's going to turn the ball over that much, if he's going to shoot that poorly from the field, again, he's just not going to be an NBA player. He he's, does no burst whatsoever off the bounce. Uh, like people close out and then a close out and he just kind of hang dribbles in like 15, 16 feet out from the basket and doesn't really have that much to do. I, I liked his defensive energy. I thought he had some really nice moments, but you, you can't turn the ball over and shoot that poorly as a role player. They like, you have to be mistake free mistake-free and efficient. Those are the role players that stick. Um, I, I'd be more than happy for like them to keep him around in Greensboro if he wanted to. I think there's potentially something there, and I think he could be a better shooter. But right now, there's nothing saying like, oh, yeah, we need to find a two-way spot for this guy. Like, If he wants to stick around in Greensboro, great. If not, then it'll be goodbye, good luck in Europe, Admiral. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I was pretty disappointed with how he played in the bubble. I thought he would be like... At the, at the end of the season, if he had played well, I thought there was a chance that like maybe they don't guarantee one of the Martin twins and they take Schofield instead because of how much better as an athlete and a shooter that he was. But he wasn't a shooter at all in the G League bubble, uh, not even from the free throw line. He's only shooting 67 percent from the line, under 30 percent from three. I, I can remember, I think, on one hand, the amount of shots that like I watched go in when I was watching the Greensboro Swarm from Admiral Schofield. And like you said, he just like it's unfortunate because he was actually pretty good with the Wizards last year and just in the G League as well. But he just fell off quite a bit. And like he's going to be a role player in the NBA and he doesn't do really anything that you need a role player to do at this time, except just be energetic. And like as valuable as that is, it is the least valuable skill um, on a basketball court because it doesn't really result in that much. You need to be able to score and not turn the ball over and defend. And he doesn't really do that yet. And But the other player that the Hornets have affiliated was Kobe Simmons, who I thought was excellent in the G League bubble. He is absolutely a two-way player in the NBA or like an end-of-bench rotation guy for any team. Uh, he's a, a really good athlete at 6'6", with long arms, with play, a lot pretty solid playmaking chops. Like, he's a pretty good in the pick-and-roll. He's really good in transition at passing. Uh, he's a solid with saw he has solid length on defense and he can switch between basically one through three, probably more one through two if he were to play in the NBA. But that, I mean, that's still, that's something. And he's a good finisher as well. So if the jump shot ever comes around for him, I think he'll play in the NBA. Yeah. And they, they know Kobe well, he played in Greensboro last year and maybe the year before he's been around a while. The, the coaching staff know Kobe some as well. Like, it wouldn't shock me if in three years down the line that Kobe Simmons was in the NBA and Nate Darling, Admiral Schofield and Grant Rilla weren't. Like, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think him and Rilla are probably like decent, decent prospects similar to each other. And like, I don't understand why Kobe Simmons isn't on a two-way elsewhere. Like, I, I don't think, I, I could see him getting an NBA call-up. Um, his pro problem is his turnovers. So as a lead guard, he's like averaging four a game per 36 minutes. If you're going to be a lead guard, you just can't turn the ball over that much. Um, but he's a pretty high volume guy. Like you always feel Kobe Simmons in the game. He makes some really interesting shots. Like you say, he guards well. Um, I think he's been really unlucky not to be on a two-way contract already. And I, I think he could be an NBA player. I, I really do. 
Um, and I would have no problem if at like some point this year or next year, he ended up on a two-way with Charlotte. Or like if we did a trade where we had to fill some roster spots, happy with Kobe Simmons on the roster. I, I really like that guy's game. He, he really competes. He's a, he's a great competitor and, and the staff know him well. Yeah, exactly. He plays hard as hell. And I, I always appreciate that, especially from, you know, a guy that's not a six, eight monster, just a guy that plays on the perimeter. I think that's pretty valuable, especially when you play in the G league, that's going to make you stick out. But with that, we'll wrap up the first half of our show and we'll take a quick ad break. And in the second half, we will have our interview with Cassidy McMahon. And welcome back to the second half of the At The Hive Live podcast. I'm, I am still Chase and James is still James, but we are here with a special guest today, Cassidy McMahon. And uh, Cassidy, I'll give you the floor to, uh, you know, introduce yourself, uh, tell people where to find you and, uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, thank you guys for having me so much, showing me that or showing that I'm not just a one trick pony with the Braves. <laughs> I do do Hornets as well. Um, I'm. My YouTube channel is Braves Anatomy. That's where you find my Hornets recaps and my Braves recaps in baseball and all that jazz, all sports all the time. And CassMac underscore 21 is my Twitter account. And that's basically it. Awesome. So I think the reason we want to have you on is I think quite a lot of Hornets fans have probably seen, I don't even know how long you've been doing it, but your, your post-game recaps, which are always really good for little bits of like information and like, you're obviously a hugely passionate fan. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of like your, your background really and, and kind of your, your journey to Hornets fandom and, and everything like that. Well, uh, my journey to Hornets fandom is that I was born and raised in, in Charlotte. So obviously it's the Hornets all the time. And when they left, I, we beca- I became a Bobcats fan, unfortunately for as long as they were here. And when the Hornets came back, it just felt felt right and obviously with my family we're, we're born I was born and raised here and we've been here for my entire life so Hornets all the way in terms of basketball fandom and in terms of my YouTube channel and the recaps themselves I can thank my mom I guess mom knows best because I talk about sports 365 24-7 and she was like you've got to shut up and find some way some way else to your sports love. It's got to come out somewhere else because I'm tired of listening to it. I love you and I love the teens, but I can't do it anymore. (laughs) That's pretty much how my Braves recaps were born. And then this year with LaMelo Ball coming in and I decided to do things with the Hornets because it just seemed after the bubble or prior to the shutdown, we were – getting really, really popular and really, really exciting. So I figured, why not expand it? And this year has been a perfect year to do that. Yeah, you. this is definitely a good year to get into the Hornets recaps. We, we yeah. got the national media attention is at probably an all-time high since the yeah. at least since the 1980s. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a very good market to get into at this moment. But if you have you ever attended a Hornets game yourself in Charlotte? At least yeah, before that, when that yeah, was allowed to happen. Yeah, I have <laughs> with my dad and my brothers. And unfortunately, we are one and four. Um, three of them were um, when Dwight Howard was 
at his peak with the Orlando Magic, and he just ate our lunch. Um, and a couple of years ago, it was we won against the Detroit Pistons, and Blake Blake Griffin got ejected. So that was fun to watch. I remember that game. Who got him ejected? Was it Cody? I thought it was as. I thought it was Marvin Williams for some reason. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, because Marvin Williams, like, never, ever gets angry. He's, like, the ultimate professional. Yeah. And then, like, if Marvin Williams is angry, like, oh, Blake did something bad. Like, Yeah, yeah. He's, he said something that he should not yeah. have said if, if Marvin Williams had to take exception to yeah. it. That's for sure. I believe it was Marvin Williams. And uh, that game, I got to meet Del Curry. So that was kind of really cool afterwards. That's awesome. How'd you meet Del? He, he was just out by the... Um, what you would call by the stage or whatever before before the post game show and I was like hey can I get a picture and he was like yeah really cool so that was a really cool memory um hoping to get back in the high very soon don't know when but glad so you, that go ahead you, you've been to more Hornets games than me and Chase then I think put together <laughs> yeah I've yeah I've been to two so I've been, been to one so yeah you, so yeah, yeah there we have go have they won when you've gone Chase absolutely Ever? no they, I went uh Kemba's last year they got blown out by the Sixers and then lost uh, like a reasonable game to the Timberwolves so yeah the other one I went to was MLK day I don't know about eight years ago and I think Kemba Kemba went off for about his career high at that point, I think it was like 45 or something. Oh, so cool. at least that was fun, but I don't think we won that game. I think we got blown out. Because <laughs> Cameron Parsons all of a sudden decided to become Reggie Miller, like the entire team decides to give up this year. So I guess it's still on par. That was a theme with, with Kemba's really high scoring games was ending up losing by a lot, unfortunately. I wish yeah. we, had, we had been able to give him some wins in those career high scoring nights but you know that didn't happen like Brad, very often. Bradley Beal is now taking that mantle from Kemba. that's so yeah that's 100 percent true that's basically an apples to apples so Cassidy when are we going to get the if you've got your Atlanta Braves YouTube channel we need a Hornets YouTube channel come on it's still it's it's on there there's a section Buzz City all fly and it's that section there's nice. a completely different section so I at least got that cool and um, just curious, like, who's your who's your favorite player? So, like, maybe your favorite, like, all time Hornet or Bobcat? It could be a Bobcat, you never know. Um, or or and your kind of current favorite guy in the current team? Okay, Bobcat Gerald Wallace. Mm-hmm. All time Dale Curry, obviously, um, because I met him and because he's Dale Curry. Um, and current. The easy answer is Lamella Wall, uh, but my answer is Miles Bridges. One because he's a human highlight reel, and two because he's a lefty, and I love lefties because I am one. And when that thing goes through, it just looks so pretty. But is Miles a lefty though? He's a sneaky righty. Let's all be honest. Like he he only uses that left hand to shoot, and he uses it for nothing else. It seems that's well, a good point. He does dunk really well with his right hand. I've never thought about that before. Although he might I, just be really good at dunking. I shout yeah. at the TV every time. He can't hit a layup with his left hand. He, he, mm-hmm. he cannot do one. It's Everything's right-handed. Because um, I heard a story, Eric Collins told it on one of the broadcasts, that Miles broke, um, he broke his right, he was always right-handed for everything, does everything right-handed. 
he broke his right arm or broke his right hand. It was in a cast and he played basketball. So he basically learned how to shoot with his left hand. And that's why it's the only thing that he does is basically shoot with the left hand, but everything else it does with his right. So I'm, I'm like one of those guys, like I think that Miles could shoot right-handed and he might be even better. Uh, but he's not bad enough to kind of have to commit to that yet. I think he's still good enough for the left that we're all right letting him fly. So he's like Ben Simmons. We're gonna gonna have to get a media member to ask him a, a question about that. Ben Simmons can't shoot. That's true. Ben Simmons can't <laughs> put the ball in the hoop with either hand. But at least Miles is a little better the, better at it than than Ben is. But Cassidy, if you had to give, you know. A just a an expectation for the second half of the season for the Hornets. I know that can be kind of a a gray area for a team that's not not expected to win a championship or anything. But what would you like to see out of them the most in this second half of the season that's coming up? The most is honestly just staying healthy because I don't know that this first half of the year we haven't been able to see what actually we can be because they've been shuffling in and out. And I think health is number one. Number two is finding out how to guard behind the three-point line because quoting Bradley Beal, we can't guard a parked car uh, from behind (laughs) right now. And that's the reason we've lost, I don't know, five or seven of our games. I've been the three-point line, the three-point line defense. But I mean, I've, I've just really enjoyed this team and I'm just kind of enjoying the ride, especially with doing my recaps for the Hornets for the first time, just trying to uh, give you guys a fun perspective on my part, even when we lose really, really badly. But with LaMelo ball being in the fold, I don't see us losing really, really badly for much longer. So I just have great expectation that it's going to be another fun uh, second half of the season and maybe that's a cop-out but uh, I just want us to stay healthy no that, I don't think that's a cop-out at all I love that that I completely agree with you this is the last season that the Hornets have before they're expected to do things and that's I great. like now I've seen not a not a Edwards say this on Twitter multiple times we have got to enjoy these games before next season when we're like these guys they gotta make the playoffs right now because that's not as fun when you lose when you're like oh wow we lost and now we're in ninth with Gordon Hayward and Lamelo Ball and this other 2021 draft pick or whatever it's not it's not as good this is the last year that they don't have like playoff a legitimate playoff expectations so we got to just enjoy the ride and take what we can get now because it in a few years it's going to be a lot more stressful. Yeah. And you're so right. Like since LaMelo really became this year's LaMelo, we've either had like Devonta Graham's been injured because he was, yeah. he was out. He then came back. He then hurt his knee. Like we've not seen this team really at like full strength hitting their stride. We, I don't even think we've seen what this team could do. We've had Cody in and out. Yeah. If, if this team can stay healthy, like you have to think it can only get better, especially with like the, their schedule for the second half of the season, I think it's the third or fourth easiest in the NBA. So if they can stay healthy, have the, you know, have they get some of their depth back from the, from the G league bubble and everything. Um, I, I think they could have a really strong second half of the year could finish above 500, which would be, which would be pretty exceptional considering the expectations at the start of the year. I don't, did we have any expectations? <laughs> yeah. The, no, I don't think so. They were what, I don't, well, I don't know if you guys remember, but, I think the ESPN power rankings, they started the season like 26th or something like that. So after we signed Gordon Hayward, 
I hammered the over on with total wins because it was like 26, I think, for the season. And I was like, oh, we're going to like, we're going to smash that. Like, I know. But then I like, had a huge amount of panic because I kind of did it automatically. And then like two weeks later, everyone was saying the Hornets were still going to be really bad. And I was like doubting myself, like, oh, have I just like blown 50 quid on the Hornets when I like maybe should have just taken some time out after the Hayward signing? Uh, but now it's looking okay again. It's not looking great, but it's looking, it's looking okay. They should, they should get over 26 wins. They only need 10 more, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, I would be extremely surprised if they don't win 26 games. Yeah, I I was really happy with the Horn, the Gordon Hayward signing. I was skeptical with the injury history, but some of those were just freak injuries that you don't expect. They're not in actually going to happen. Like it just happens once in a blue moon, and you just get bad luck. And I I love Gordon Hayward's game. Maybe I was uh, a little sheepish on the money, but it's not That's my money. I. Me too. You weren't the only one. I was. I was freaking out over the money. Like, uh, I'll be, I'll be completely honest here, and it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if that finger needs surgery at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if is it just one of those that needs to heal, or is it those that it does need surgery, but he can kind of if he can get through the season, then then he can. I oh. do have one question for you guys. Uh, what do you expect? You expect us to do anything in this inner position for the trade deadline? Hmm. You go first, James. I, I've been thinking about this one, but you can what was that in, in terms of we expect to do anything with the trade deadline? Or just yeah, Saul get somebody, I guess. Cupchuck yeah, hasn't made many in-season trades. I don't even know if he's made any since being at Charlotte. He's made them around the draft and in free agency, but I don't think he's made a single in-season trade. I think Dwight Howard I, was the last one. True, true, Dwight Howard. Uh, yeah. But that was that not in the off-season? I want to say uh yes it was you're right yeah came, i think he came into training camp yeah um so i would i would guess that they don't especially considering that a lot of guys have been injured and they've yet to see how like monk and graham and rosier and the mellow will all fit together so i'm gonna say like it, it's always the, the safe answer to say no it's kind of boring but if i had to bet money like will or will they not make a trade I don't think they'll make a big one. I think they'll do something really small with that last, uh, they got 4 million of cap space and they've got one roster spot available. I think they'll do something with that. Um, and I, I wrote an article on at the hive, um, which if you haven't read it, I'd suggest people go read about, about the different ways they could use that. So I think they will do something on the fringes, but I don't think there'll be any, any major trade. And me and Chase talked about Nick Vucevic at the start of the show a little bit, um, but I'd be surprised if, if anything major happened for me. I yeah. want Vucevic, but not at the price people are saying. And he's two years older than Cody Zeller, so. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, if they could just, like, take Vucevic and drop him on the Hornets, like, I, well, obviously I'd be for that, but that yeah. would be, like, perfect. But the amount that you got to give up for him is no thank you. But I do think that they will do – something in regards to the center position i have no idea what because they have that open roster spot and the cap space so maybe javel mcgee gets bought out by the cavaliers and they pick him up or they the Cavs do a three-team trade to get someone somewhere else and the hornets take javel mcgee and a second as like a like a here thank you for facilitating this trade type of thing yeah uh, or maybe they get like 
I don't know, maybe like Tristan Thompson from the Celtics or something, if they move on from him for a wing or so I could see like that type of thing happening, like uh, them being like the third team in a trade and just being like, Hey, we'll do nothing and get a player in return or signing somebody off the buyout market that doesn't have contenders looking for them, which is probably unlikely, but it's possible. But I don't, yeah, like as much as it would be fun or exciting to see them make like a huge trade for Vooch, I, I'm, I'm, I probably, I'm with you that I don't, I don't think it's going to happen either. I think they're going to do something small and unexciting, which will probably make Hornets fans upset, but it's okay. The amount of bad draft history luck we've had, and we're finally getting better, getting luck with that. I don't think I want to wreck what we've built with a Vucevic trade, even though that would make me really happy. I just. And, and everyone always wants trades and I get it. Trades are fun. I love trades. If everyone follows my writing at the hive, I make mock trades all the time with other websites, but we all pray for trades. Remember miles Plumley? Remember that trade miles yeah. Plumley trade that ended up leading to Mozgov and then led to Bayumbo and also led to Dwight Howard. That, that was all because of a stupid show trade for Miles Plumley because they needed a big for the playoff run and they didn't make the playoffs and Plumley was awful and it was, mm. it was just the start of the the dominoes and that's mm. what I like to say I hope we just don't do that again make some short-sighted move for someone you know who's just not not going to move the needle enough for this team yeah. um, and then we're stuck in you know cap hell trying to move contracts around for the next two or three years like so if, if the trades are going to be like Plumley, like let's Remember, trades can go badly. We can see them go badly. Yeah, it's sometimes the move you don't make. That's the smartest move. Well, remember, exactly. was it last year deadline, wasn't it? Malik Monk for uh, Mark Gasol. Wasn't that the rumor at last yeah. year's trade yeah. deadline? Yeah, I remember maybe, that. Maybe that was the year before with Kemba. Actually. Yeah, it was, it was uh, two years ago. And yeah. I remember Shams was like hammering Mark Gasol yeah. to the Hornets too. That was like the big thing. That was like the I last was, time they really even involved in this. really like excited, but then I was like, when it didn't happen, I was like, okay, we're bad anyway, or not where <laughs> yeah. we want to be. So, what was yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't move, it doesn't make a difference like either way. It's just one of those things where you would have been like, because at right. that point, I don't know, say we get Marcus Hall and then we win a couple more games than we should, would we have been able to draft Lamella Ball? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, and I, I mentioned this on the last show nothing matters in the past because it ended in us drafting Lamella Ball. And we're set for the future with that. So that's really all I'm worried about. Uh, to, to, we're going to wrap it up here really quickly. I'm not going to keep you throughout your entire Saturday afternoon, Cassidy. But before every single guest that we've had, we make them give a bold prediction for the rest of the Hornets season. Uh, for example, the Hector Sombrero Man said uh-huh. Lamella would win Rookie of the Year. Uh, Filippo Baresi said the Hornets would be buyers at the trade deadline. Nick Denning said the Hornets would finish uh, fifth in the East. What would your bold prediction be if you had to give one for the for the rest of the Hornets season? My bold prediction is that Vernon Carey gets a start for the Hornets at center and gets a double double. That Ooh. I like that one. That is that's probably the boldest one we've had so far. I, I like that, and I think that is highly possible given the the injury history the, or the injury luck that that team this team has had this year too. Yeah. If he was in the if he was there now with with Zeller out instead of the G League bubble he probably would have played in the la- at least a couple of those games for yeah, garbage time or just for six minutes or something like that so I, I, I think, like that one yeah I think from what I've seen from the G League stats and 
what he did with uh, Rudy Gobert in that little bit of time he had, at least challenging him and giving us a slight chance with bigger centers, I think it's a, a possible bold prediction. That's what I was going for, possible bold. I think someone asked uh, Borrego in a media availability the other day, like, how's have you been able to watch much G League or how has it been going? And, and I think he said, like, he's been thrilled with what he's seen from Richards uh, and Carey and that they've both shown they can do a little bit more than he thought. So that's, that's coach speak for they've done good, like, and that he can see that. And I think he even said there, we'll see if we can get him some run down the end of the season here. So um, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think one of those guys is going to wear, this is the hard thing with having two, both Richards and Carey, like, it would be so much simpler if there was just one. Um, I I have a feeling if there's one who get, who gets into the rotation, I just think it'll be Nick Richards, just because of the defense. Um, but but no, it's it's a it's a really good take. I like it. I like it, and I'd love to see I'd love to see us starting you know one of our rookie bigs at some point in the year with injuries or you know later down the year. That'd be great. Yeah, strictly for confidence purposes too. I yeah. think that would be good for those guys to get a start in before their rookie year ended. And I also thought about this. They, uh, if they don't play Grant Riller, he's a rookie next season. So do you think that they might play him specifically for that reason? Like he, he won't have played an NBA game, so he'll be a rookie next year. You think they might put him in just for that? So you can be like, yeah, you're like actually going to have a rookie season and you'll play like three or four games or something. Depending on where we sit, probably. Yeah, that, yeah that's probably, yeah, that's the biggest determinant. But I, I thought about that like at, uh, while we, we were just talking about all the young players and that that's like, that's, I don't think it really matters like to them, but it probably does matter to him a little bit at least. And like, I think it would be, it, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if that's like something that is on their mind. Yeah. I mean, this, this Hornet team is, is the funnest I ever can remember. And I, I talked to my dad, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago when we had a COVID pause and it wasn't our fault. Usually we'd be like, the Hornets aren't on. Oh, that doesn't really matter. But now we're like, oh, darn it, the Hornets aren't on. <laughs> yeah, like this this All-Star break has been – it's been yeah. tough already. It's been, I think, like three days now So at, at the time of recording yeah. since they played their last game. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're only halfway through, and I'm already like, I don't know what to do with my, my 7 to well, 9 p.m. hours. It's, it's, it's very confusing. Hey, between the West Coast road trip – and this all-star break, I've never had so much sleep, okay? so oh, That's so true. Yeah. I, I am I am taking advantage of the sleep right now for the second half of the season. People always ask me, how in the world do you do West Coast road trips for the Braves and now the Hornets? Because they're all surprised. When we came back from the uh, Sacramento one, I didn't get my recap done until 2 a.m. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, that was fun. Because I was wide awake <laughs> after that insane comeback. Yeah, the same thing happens to me whenever I have to do recaps for at the hive for the late games. I like I give myself the late games just so I know I'll stay up. But then it comes to like I'm done with my recap and I'm like, wow, I'm not tired. And there are no NBA games on right now because it's two in the morning. So I really have nothing to do. It, it's it's quite a predicament. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one that that, that feels no. this way, too. No. <laughs> I, I've, I oh every time I'm like, wow, I kind of I kind of regret this. The Braves have three or four a year, and I'm like, oh god. Like, yeah, and and they're they're three nights in a row too. Yeah. Like you don't even I'm, get a night off. I'm a night owl, but after those, I'm like, don't bug me for like an extra two or three hours. 
Yeah, I completely understand you. I can't believe you're both seriously complaining about late nights for West Coast. I, yeah, road I, trips. I, I, I know you're 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 yeah. you're well West Coast road trip anytime you want to watch a Hornets game. So I, I, I understand <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. Hey, we're yeah. used to it though. We're all right. we're used to not having to stay up, so it helps. But thank you very much for coming on, Cassidy. I, re- I re- we really appreciate you. Of course, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and answer some questions about us. We very much enjoy your Hornets recaps. I know I watch them on Twitter every time you post them after the game just to give my, my brain a little refresher and a nice little rundown after the game's ended. But uh, I'll give you another opportunity to, to plug your YouTube channel on Twitter if you would like just to make sure that people don't forget and they know where to find you. Um, my YouTube is Braves Anatomy, and there is a section that says Buzz City Offline where you can get all the Hornets news recaps and all that jazz. And then my Twitter handle is Casmac underscore 21. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thank you uh, listeners again for coming listen listen to another episode of At The Hive Live. James, you got anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? One last thing is just make sure we get them five-star reviews before next week. We want one. One five-star review before next week. We have zero. So, uh, yeah, please get them on for next week. And, uh, yeah, Cassidy, great to have you on. Thank you so much. And if, if Vernon Carey gets a double-double and starts, you're definitely coming back on this podcast, all right? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, we, we got to spread the good energy if Vernon ends up getting a start. But, again, thank you. Thank you to the listeners. And this has been another episode of At The Hive Live, and we will see you next week.